Welcome to the 94th episode of Life is a Hat Party with your host, Chapeau Claudette. And I want to tell you that there's some really good news. (laughs) That's just uh, my way of beginning this quite longish podcast. The good news is that so much shite, so much disease is showing up. And that is a good thing because when it does, it is a prompt for us to stop ignoring it and do something about it. Yeah, no matter how it might have ended up being in our faces, it is still every time our choice to make a decision that is going to be one that puts us in out of the rut and in a better position. And of course, choosing love, being positive is of course the best thing you've seen. There has been, you know, a lot of controversy with a lot of issues, but again and again, people are choosing to take care of each other. And that is fantastic, spectacular news. So this is the introduction. I want to start this podcast by uh, letting you listen to an excerpt from a um, keynote speech or a lecture from a well-known historian from the University of Leeds, Gazelda Pollock. And she wrote a book and she studied the life of Charlotte Solomon, who I've been researching and found a lot of coincidences on. If you want to know more, I've made quite a few previous podcasts about that story. This one is specifically about uh, sexual abuse. And I'm going to start with a excerpt from this lecture called, or talk called, Crimes, Confessions, and the Everyday Challenge. And of course, she is a scholar and she uh, expresses it so well. I hope she does not mind me um, you know, having a recording of what she says about incest because it's very important. And this is from um, a speech she made in November of 2013, November 5th. And here we are, you know, seven years later almost. So, have a listen to the beginning of this and then it will go into my explanation why I want to talk about this and then that will follow with um, the doctor, I believe Dr. Gazelle de Polak again where she will talk more about Charlotte Solomon's um, experience with sexual abuse and how she came 
upon this hypothesis that was actually wasn't is still being disputed or wasn't clear through um the information that they had about her life until much later on okay thanks for listening and if you want to do something there is a great institution um a charity called r rescue i know it's instagram at r rescue i will put the links and they have a lot of initiatives for you to do and even just to share because we cannot be silent if people can go to jail for me too or Harvey Weinstein then you know this we have to solve this child abuse problem in our lifetime in my lifetime ASAP thanks for listening Take care. Abuse of incest is just as much as genocide a crime against humanity, but statistically it's part of the everyday. Some lawyers argue that because it happens to so many women and children, it cannot be exceptional and cannot be counted as trauma. Specific dimensions of gendered life experiences fall out of the category of the event, and they fall below the social and cultural analysis of the everyday. Do we place them in the category of the normal or the secret, the trauma or the crime? Incest is what Holocaust survivor and analyst Dori Lau would call an event without a witness, a crime in privacy that does not provide its subject or victim with the reflective mirror of verifying witness to rape, to the silence murdering of a self. What would be the writing of this event, which is also the terrible truth of the gendered everyday? I think perhaps Leibniz Theater might now reveal what that might look like. Chapeau Claudette, on August 24th, 2020, and I haven't been here for a while because I've been on my other podcast where Natalie Bodies are at episode 337 almost, but today is a day or a moment or a morning where I am again going to tell the story I noticed that with this podcast that I started when I was taking care of my mother with dementia that the last few episodes have been about the same thing and this will be also about the same theme because I feel I need to keep telling this story until someone hears me like a child who keeps telling their story until somebody believes them. So where do we start? That's at the beginning, an introduction. Well, if you are aware that there's been a lot of revelations about human trafficking, sexual abuse, Maybe you only hear about Jeffrey Epstein. Maybe you don't hear about the large number of children that disappear every day. Maybe you didn't hear about the Wayfair that people are calling a conspiracy. But the fact is that children 
belong to somebody who their parents who take care of them are going missing every day around the world and it is a fact that children are being sold for human trafficking purposes and that's the last thing that children are supposed to be for this is a crime against humanity and there are a lot of voices shouting and the reason or the prompt to even make this podcast here was that I saw a video that was quite shocking not horribly explicit no it was just the results of abuse which the worst thing was seeing these children with these dark eyes which is connected to um, this kind of traumatization that goes on and this is a medical process with the production of andromedone oh I can't pronounce it right and I don't even want to pronounce it right to be honest anyway they used the song from an artist Lauren D-A-I-G-L-E it's called Rescue and the lyrics of the song are so poignant just seem like they were written for uh, written to rescue our children to rescue the children who are right now being abused and groomed and killed because even for me to say that it's like I can't believe I'm saying these things but when I heard this music too and the picture that were so vivid the reality seeing children you know in distress Within a few minutes, it was gone because Instagram wrote to the original person who shared it that it wasn't uh, adhering to the community guidelines. Uh, so I guess they didn't say because I did one where I had the music of Massive Attack and maybe it wasn't able to do that because of the rights but this one didn't say it was because of the music right it said it because it violated their guidelines and I thought their community guidelines are oh you are community guidelines so I thought right 
guidelines. The fullest of your post goes against our community guidelines. We removed your post because it goes against our community guidelines. If you learn and follow our guidelines, you can prevent your account from being deleted. Post removed August 23rd, 2020. Yeah. Whoa. So, wow. I didn't, I thought, wow, this is, you know, this is just a smoking gun. Because on so many levels, it it wasn't uh, this is to protect children this is to raise awareness and unless the author that has the rights of the music is protesting against that which they probably aren't then there's a problem so, of course, it got me to thinking about this. I reached out to the person who had posted it, and I reposted the music from Spotify of the song, and I had to revisit some realities, or just see be 
think you would be an all-American girl, all-American family. It was whispered that she was being sexually abused at home. And I don't remember a lot of moments in my high school, but I remember this. And I remember choosing incest and finding out how widespread and being shocked at how much of an epidemic it was. And this is in 1981. So here we are 40 years later. And we still have a major problem. It's getting worse. So a couple of days ago, I read a post from a woman called Alexa Rose Betts on Instagram who actually had her account taken down because she was exposing doing a lot of posts about pedophilia and uh, they took her account but she opened up another one and people followed her and she does a lot of posts of spreading awareness so I saw this post of hers uh, probably on the 22nd, 23rd, and it says, I am so, so, so upset and disappointed in my city. This is in the UK. She said, today my cousin and I showed up to a protest to support, to show our support and march for the children, and there were five other freaking people there. Not even the organizer showed. Then she said, I have a second picture that's taken at the same location in the peak of the pandemic at a Black Lives Matter protest. Says, I mean, it didn't help that Facebook was censoring her event, but that's only one platform. I messaged people who were supposed to be there. And they were either too tired or too busy or some other excuse. But everybody showed up, and there are thousands who support BLM, Black Lives Matter, so they could hold a sign and go home and never do anything to support the movement again because it was cool. Guess what? Ten million children currently experiencing modern-day slavery, and over 40% of them are black. believe this is my humble opinion goes back to incest so I did some research and I found an interesting article from Atlantic written by Maya Fontaine seven years ago January 24th and it starts with people are rightly horrified by abuse scandals at Penn State and in the Catholic Church But what about children who are molested by their own family members? And it goes on to give some harrowing, horrible statistics. Here are some statistics that should be familiar to us all, but aren't, either because they're too mind-boggling to be absorbed easily, or because they're not publicized enough. So, one in three to four girls and one to five to seven boys are sexually abused before they turn 18. And 
overwhelming incidence of which happens within the family. These statistics are well known among industry professionals who are often quick to add, and this is a notoriously underreported crime. subject that makes people recoil. The word alone can causes many to squirm and it's telling of all of the individual and groups of perpetrators who made national headlines to date. Virtually none have been related to their victims. They've been trusted or fatherly figures, some in more literary sense than others, from institutions close to brothers or cousins or mothers or female relatives for that matter. While all abuse is traumatizing people outside of family, home, and family, the Sedinskys, the teachers, and the priests account for far fewer cases of child sexual abuse.
to the bathroom and I remember the bed in the room it was across from the door and I was afraid to go out in the hallway to get to the bathroom because I said that this monster was going to and I kept saying monster this monster was going to grab me from the toilet and like swallow me or whatever but I just really was adamant and I'm saying adamant because what happened was as I peed the bed at 6 or 7 and it was like my dad was furious my mother was more understanding and they were trying to figure out why was I afraid to go to the bathroom I don't know how they put this story together because the next thing I knew it was because my uncle was maybe improperly molesting me I don't know But I do know that I kept telling him over and over again why I didn't go to the bathroom because I had that dream. And I do remember the feeling of having your hymen tested in a hospital. It was a burning, very uncomfortable feeling. And that's all I remember from this episode 50 years ago. Well forward to just last year when I was well not even last year actually you know just recent years I had found out there were a lot of coincidences between myself and Charlotte Solomon the artist, German artist that lived in the same street that I lived in when I went eventually moved to Germany didn't know about Charlotte Solomon long story that you can probably listen to, sorry, from the other podcast because I've been telling the story in bits. But the reason I'm telling the story now in reference to pedophilia and the abuse against our children is obviously because this trauma is living on in consciousness. This, and, and if it's not about me, it's about that is living on through all of us, through so many of us. There's this, and this incest is so rampant. And when we are not talking about it, when we are not owning up to it, which is why Alexa Rose Betts don't have people showing up because probably nine out of ten times, that's too close to home. This pedophilia is too close to home. Somebody has to say it. So it's not something that happens to other children. It's something that's happening to their children. Or to people they know. Or to themselves. Or had happened to them. And this is the problem. And I was prompted by this video of this Australian guy talking about how we had to heal our wounds. This all came today, you know. We had to we had to address our own trauma to be to hold space for these children's trauma. And we have to you know address the child within us who's still hiding from the truth 
his sexual abuse, his incest with the people we love, or the feeling not even knowing if it's wrong, because I know some instances where people were thinking it was normal to fall in love with their parents in that sexual way. So there's something seriously not right here. And so I wanted to recorded a bit of a keynote speech from a well-known art historian, Gazelda Pollack, who I met at the Jewish Library when I went to see the exhibition of Charlotte Solomon, and I had listened to this the day or two before I went to the exhibition, and she repeated more or less the facts and after 20 years of studying the life of Charlotte Solomon she makes a very good case for say for um, concluding that Charlotte Solomon was abused by her grandfather and she shows two photo paintings she showed them in the video and then she showed them when I watched and she showed them when I was there at the museum in her uh, lecture, in her talk. And they were of a monster with long arms and long legs hanging in the bath, in the hallway outside of the bathroom. Combination of willed ignorance, <laughs> unconscious. 
fears and naivete have resulted in our failure to acknowledge the situation's full scope. But we can only claim ignorance for so long. Please reread the statistics in this post. Share them with people you know and realize that each and every one of us needs to pressure the government, schools, and other systems to prioritize this issue. Let's make this last inaugural address in which incest and child sexual abuse are omitted because the way things are now, adults are living in a fantasy land while children are forced to slay the real-life demons. End quote. child 
with which the adult painter projectively identifies, now burdened with the knowledge gained by her own subjection to the same abuser's demands. And just to show you the final evidence of this, this is what happens when she is rounded up and sent to the concentration camp. And on the way back, she paints a painting uh, with the now broken grandfather in which the legend is this, better 10 nights like this than one alone with him. We have her painting, but we also have this very agitated painting which shows the grandfather in his nightshirt saying, I think you must be calm about this. There's nothing wrong with coming to bed with me. I'm always for what is natural, which of course we know is one of the great claims. While the woman below says, oh, get away with it, you know exactly what I must do. And then she is again trying to escape from this uh, experience, as you can see in the top right hand, and desperately asking the landlady on one of the hotels they stay in on the way for another space. And then finally, she comes to a set of words here, um, which she says at the bottom, a little love, a few laws, a young girl, a big bed, that's life and those its joys after so much pain, so many dead. A little education, a few laws, and inside a vacuum, that's what's left, that's what the human being has become. So Charlotte Solomon makes space in her vast theatre of memory for a moment that it seems she too com contemplated um, suicide. She asked the question of life and death, and she exposes to us the, uh, perhaps the finally now the reason that the first Charlotta killed herself to escape what was happening in the apartment haunted by the groping vampire. The second Charlotta decided not to kill herself, but to paint life through voicing and singing Dumbledore's philosophy of joyous sex and death-defying creativity. But six months later, she writes through the device of the artistic work that she gave, that gave her all of these insights, that once forced to live alone with the grandfather, who, like the doctor in Hamaker's White Ribbon, used medical right to demand sexual services of his daughters and a granddaughter, decides to end his days from poisoning his breakfast. Und dabei entstand, and from this came life or theatre. Perhaps I can't resist either the collapse of artists into the persona in the end or vice versa. So I go back to the self-portrait. Is this the last thing? Sorry. To the self-portrait when the artist looked into the mirror in 1940, and there we meet the same extraordinary steeliness of the gaze we met in the soon-to-be motherless child in the photograph of which I started, a look that dares to judge the world. So who is this person under whom we have projected our fantasies? Abuse of incest is just as much as genocide a crime against humanity, but statistically it's part of the everyday. Some lawyers argue that because it happens to so many women and children, it cannot be exceptional and cannot be counted as trauma. Specific dimensions of gendered life experiences fall out of the category of the event, and they fall below the social and cultural analysis of the everyday. Do we place them in the category of the normal or the secret, the trauma or the crime? It's